Romans chapter 3. I've been reading the book of Romans. And I've been so challenged and encouraged at the same time. Romans 1, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of salvation for all who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greeks. Romans chapter 2 talks about how man decided to turn from the creator and worship things that were created and began to, to basically follow their own hearts and be destructive received the sin that was due them and the destruction that was due them and how God turned them over to a, a reprobate mind. That's so clear. So clear. All throughout the ages, not just our age now. Romans 3 is good, y'all. We're going to look at a, a chunk of that tonight. Romans 4 begins talking about Abraham not being justified by works, but by faith. Justified by faith. The, past, the, the verse that God used to grip my heart, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that God proves His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not once we cleaned our life up. You can't get clean enough to come to a holy God. Jesus died for us while we were in our sin to rescue us. Chapter 6 talks about being new creations, dead to sin and alive to God. One of my favorite passages, Romans chapter 8, says there is therefore now no con condemnation for those who are in Christ. 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing's going to separate us from the love of God. Another one of my favorite passages, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul said, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable before God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it just keeps getting better and better. God's word is so good. But, I've only made it to chapter 4, so we're going to be in, in, in chapter 3 tonight. Um, Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 21 through 31. 21 through 31. Now, in your notes, on, on your chart, in this top left corner, there's a little bitty blank box. That's where you can write the, the passage. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 31. As I read, I want you to be thinking, what does this passage teach about God? What does it teach about man? Are there any sins mentioned? Are there any examples to follow or commands to obey? Think about those questions. God, man, sin, example, command. And I'm going to read 21 through 31. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by His grace as a gift. Through 
the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Now let me add a little parenthesis. We uphold the law by faith. We obey God by faith. Not works, but faith. Now we're going to break break into this, dive into this, and we'll get to something a little bit more clear in just a second. Now, start all the way back up to verse 21. And I want to ask you the question. In verse 21, maybe even in verses 21 through 22, what does this passage teach us about God? He's holy and righteous. Now, where, do, where does this passage teach us that we see God's righteousness? Amen. By faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what else bears witness of, Jesus, of God's righteousness? The law and the prophets, right? Now, it says that we're... The righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now, you see the righteousness of God in the law and the prophets, right? You see God's holiness, His, his rightness, His justice, his, his goodness in the law and in the prophets. But also, His righteousness has been manifest, has been made known, has been revealed by Jesus Christ. That's so good, y'all. What did Jesus do? He came to this earth and he lived a perfect, righteous life. Died on the cross. The only man that lived that never deserved to die. To pay our sin debt. You know what the law and the prophets do? They show us that we're sinners. They don't show us. They do show us how to be saved. But they don't, they don't give us a, a a way to perform, to earn salvation. They show us, man, you can't ever be good enough. Who in here? Rhetorical question. Could ever say, I kept the law. I perfectly. 
I loved God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and my neighbor as myself 24-7 my whole life. Man, I fall short every single day. Several daggum times. <laughs> all right? What about verse 24 through 25? What does that teach us about God? Twenty-four and twenty-five. Justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What does this verse say about redemption? We're redeemed through Jesus, right? Do you know what the word for redemption is? It means to be bought back out of slavery. To be redeemed. The Bible, matter of fact, the book of Romans does, I think around chapter 7, teaches us that we are slaves to sin. We're slaves to our flesh. Every one of us without Christ. And He redeems us. Pays the price to buy us back out of that slavery. Redemption. Alright, so just for your note's sake. And the first thing I wrote was in verse 21. The law and the prophets bear witness to the righteousness of God. And then I wrote verses 21 through 22 teach. God's righteousness is manifested apart from the law. Also through faith in Jesus. Verses 24 and 25 says God justifies those. Who receives his grace by faith. His gift. Sorry, it calls it a gift. His gift. And we just looked in verse 24 and saw that redemption is through Jesus. He redeems us, buys us back from the slavery of sin through Jesus. Verse 25 says, Jesus made propitiation for our sin by his Blood. What are the wages of sin? Death. What does Jesus do? He died. He shed his blood to pay the price for our sin. Propitiation. Our sin has been canceled out by the payment of Jesus' blood. We're getting into some theology tonight, y'all. What does verse 25 say about the sacrifice of Jesus? Uh, is that verse 25? This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. And what does that mean? doesn't mean He overlooked it. doesn't mean He, he ignored it. Jesus... All that wrath, that holy hatred of God for every sin ever created from the beginning of time. God has passed over and poured out on Jesus Christ. And He, Jesus's, His righteousness, God's righteousness is seen in the sacrifice of Jesus for all sin, for our sin. God, listen, God doesn't overlook and just sweep our sin under the rug. 
He's just. He's righteous. He's righteous. I was going to say right, and then I was going to say righteous. I said right. He's righteous. A good judge doesn't overlook broken laws. A good judge deals with that, right? And our, our God is good. The, the wisdom of God is seen at the cross where His justice and His love are married. Where sin is punished and paid for in full and sinners are offered forgiveness, redemption through the blood of Jesus. We see God's righteousness by pouring out the punishment that we deserve on Jesus on the cross. Verse 26. What do we learn about God in verse 26? Awesome. Amen, He is. It says that the, the gospel, if you will, shows us God's justice. You remember Jesus in the garden, a garden of Gethsemane? If there's any other way, let this cup pass before me. Vodibachum said this, if ignorance of the gospel, if ignorance of the gospel was a means to get to heaven, it'd make more sense to kill all the Christians and burn all the Bibles. Way! And he went to the cross, not my will, but your will be done. God's, the gospel, the fact that the Holy Son of God left heaven and lived a perfect life on this earth and died to satisfy God's justice, His wrath against sin, sinners. God proved His love and showed His righteousness that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross. So do you see how the correlation through the gospel we see his righteousness. He must judge sin and he is able to forgive his good. Verse 26 says so he is both just and the justifier. None of us can justify ourselves. When's the last time you thought about the sin in your life? Not just the sin in your past, but the sin in your heart right now. Man, we're a ruined bunch. We'd be in big trouble if we were trying to make ourselves right. If we were trying to adjust it. Think about this, guys. We're going to stand before God one day. All things made bare, brought to light. All of our thoughts and intentions and actions, words, all the idle words that we have used, all the crass things we've joked about and laughed about at the, around the, the water cooler. We're going to be able to talk ourselves out of that. The only one that justifies is the one who is just. God is just and the justifier, the one who makes us justified. Righteous, able to stand before a holy God. Verse 30, sorry, verse 29 teaches us that God is the God of all. Not just the Jews, not 
Just the Gentiles? Not, listen to this, not just those who acknowledge Him as God. He's still the God of the people that don't believe in Him. There's only one God. There's only one Creator. There's only one. doesn't matter what religion you are. There's only one God over all things. The one who spoke everything into existence. One God. And He's the God of all. By the way, everybody is going to stand before Him and recognize and confess Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Verse 30 says God is one. One God. One God. Doesn't need our belief to be God. Verse 30 says He justifies by faith, not by works. Man. Guys, even as a a blood-bought believer, I am constantly battling in my heart to try to justify myself before God by my works. Sit on that for a minute. Let it sit on you for a minute. We do not serve God for righteousness. He has freely given us righteousness through the grace and gift of Jesus Christ by faith. We're saved and justified by faith, not by works. Lest any man should boast. By grace through faith, we're saved. By grace through faith, we're kept. By grace through faith, God keeps us saved. I tried to quit being a Christian one time. didn't work out. God's faithful even when we're not. It's not about our works. It's about Him making us right. He justifies by faith, not by works. All right, now let's, let's, that's the most. That's the biggest column. Next column is man. Go back up to verses 22 and verse 23. What do those verses teach us about man? Sir? We're, we're all equal, right? No distinction. Every one of us. I've heard a preacher say one time that the the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all are on common ground. No distinction. All have sinned. And what? Not just sin, but fallen short of what? God's glory. We can't get there even if we try. Even though we do try. Guys, I remember as a pretty new believer... After growing up in church. Teenage years growing up in a Baptist church. Been to youth camp. Said prayers. Been baptized. Been sprinkled and dunked. (laughs) Sprinkled a couple times. Dunked a couple times. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember coming to Christ. And really. Coming to Him by grace through faith. And surrendering. Believing, really believing to the point of laying it down. And I remember thinking, man, the church is filled up with people like I used to be. Lost. Going through the religious motions. And it scares me to death. Breaks my heart. No distinction. All have sinned and fall 
short. We fail to make the mark. We fall short of the glory of God. All right, what does verses 24 and 25 teach us about God? Sorry, man, mankind. Amen. Even though we fall short, we can be justified by God's grace as a gift by faith. It's called gift. It makes me think of Romans 6.23. Because in, in Romans chapter 4, Paul begins to make this argument, you know, like, well, what about Abraham? Was he justified by works? No. Not by works, but by faith. And he said if he was justified by works, it wouldn't have been credited to him. It wouldn't have been a gift of righteousness because you don't get a gift for what you deserve or for what you work for. And Romans 6.23 says this, You know what you earn? You know what you deserve by your works? Death. The wages of sin is death. Every one of us are sinners and fall short. We deserve death. But then the verse continues, but God offers this free gift of eternal life to all who believe in Jesus Christ. So, like, like uh, Craig said, salvation is, we can only be justified by Jesus. Verse 24 and 25 says, we can be justified by God's grace as a gift through faith. All right? What about verse 26? What does verse 26 teach us about man? And how can we be? Only, only by Jesus, right? God will justify the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus. Now, I'm talking about saving faith. I'm talking about just mere knowledge. There's a whole lot of people that believe Jesus died and walked the earth and died on the cross and, and rose from the grave. A whole lot of people that can quote John 3.16. Satan himself can quote John 3.16, I'm sure. Faith, saving faith. Verse 27. Can we boast about anything we've done to earn salvation? Boasting is excluded. Because we cannot be justified by our own works. But listen to me. We are so prevalent. It's, man, just think about how quick we are to look down our noses on people. Who are struggling in sin. We're bad about it, y'all. We're bad about it. We ain't no better than they are. Larry Logan used to say, I'm just one blind beggar who found the bread of life telling other beggars where they can find it too. We're no better than anybody else. And we love to, to just because we don't struggle with that particular sin that they're struggling with, feel better than them. There's no boasting, guys. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And the only way we can be saved is by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by our own works. And, and listen to this. If... You see the grace of God at, at work in your life by allowing you to obey His Word, by empowering you to have victory over sin and temptations. We can't boast about that either because that's the power of the Holy Spirit doing it in us. It's not us. We can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We can't will it enough. 
And if we begin to try to do it in our own strength, then we're going to be prideful about it and try to boast about it. We can't boast. It's not us. It's God doing it in us. It's God giving us the power to do it. I remember talking to a guy. It's back when I worked for DeSoto County Maintenance Department. Man, I, I, I miss it sometimes because I used to go into the jail almost every single day to work on something. Things are always breaking at the jail. And I was talking to a guy who was, who was a trustee up there, and he had a bad drinking problem. His name was Porkchop. And uh, he, he was telling me how he, he, he was basically describing the fact that he was in bondage to sin. Now, he knew that I'd been a trustee there before, so he wanted to know how I had victory over all those things. I said, brother, first of all, I didn't even want to do right until God began to get a hold of me. I love sin. I wanted sin. I didn't want to do right. I wanted to do wrong. I like doing wrong. And then God began to, to work in my heart and show me the misery of my sinfulness. So then I tried to start cleaning my life up. And I figured out I couldn't. Tried hard and could not get right. Could not have victory. And I said, brother, then a friend of mine explained the gospel to me that I couldn't do it. And I never could get clean enough to come to a holy God. That's why he came to me. And that's why he died on the cross to pay for our sin. So that we could be forgiven. And he's told me if you put your trust in Christ, then he will change your heart. And he will change your desires. And he will give you victory. You'll never get clean enough to come to him. Don't wait till you do. Just tell him you can't do it. And you believe he can. And lay it down. And then God takes your want to. And he combines it with his can. And he delivers you. And he gives you the ability to overcome those things. Does that make sense? Even our victories are God's victories. We can't boast. But man, we can boast in Jesus. Always be ready to give an account for the hope that lies within you. Always, man. We get so many chances every day to tell somebody how good God is. And we blow by them. Don't boast in ourselves. One of my favorite seminary professors had been a missionary in South America and seen some amazing movements of God. And one, the, thing, the main thing that sticks out about him is telling all us little seminary guys, never touch the glory of God. Don't ever take credit for what God's done. Not even in your own heart. I'm here to tell you, I do it all the time in my own heart, my wicked heart. Love to pat myself on the back and think, man, you did a good job that time. It ain't us, y'all. God. And when we start thinking it's us, he got a tendency to say, all right, do it on your own and see what happens. <laughs> You'll come back. <laughs> that's extra. Uh, that's free. Now, verse 27 also says, man is prone to try to justify himself by works. Are we not? Even as believers, don't we get into this performance-based mentality with God? Like we need to do good enough so he'll really love us more. One of the most 
freeing teachings that I think I've ever learned. God does not love us based on our performance. You can't make him love you any less. You can't make him love you any more. He loves us because of Don't worry. We're going to get to verse 31. Y'all are like, Trey, you're talking a lot about grace, but you ain't telling us we need to do right. We're going to get there. What does verse 27 teach us about sin? Any kind of sin you think maybe mentioned? I might be stretching it a little bit, but I think so. There's no room for boasting, y'all. And I think this is talking about trusting in our own works for righteousness. Makes me think of Tim the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> you know, just, just, we just love to boast in our own abilities. What about verse 31? Any kind of sin, maybe, that we need to be aware of? He asked a question. Well, if it's all about faith, do we just throw the law out? Do do we? If 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 it's, you know, do we throw do we, do we, do well? Here's what I would say: sinful. Don't throw the law out, right? Don't throw it out. Just don't trust in your ability to save yourself. The law does not justify us, but once we're all once we are justified, then we are to obey the law, but. By faith in Christ. Our obedience is even by faith. Not by works. Not by earning it. Not by trying to make God like us even more. Because of what He's done in our life. The fact that He has redeemed us. The fact that Jesus' blood is the propitiation for our sin. The fact that He has atoned our sin. And made us right. And, and given us a gift of salvation, of justification, being justified, even though we have a sinful past. Man, beautiful passage. God took our sin and put it on Jesus at the cross and took his righteousness. And when we put our faith in him, put the righteousness of Jesus on us. <laughs> Martin Luther called it the great exchange. We are justified by grace through faith, but we were created, predestined, for good works. We're supposed to obey the law. But by faith. In what God's already done. By the way. It'll make you want to. When God changes you. And forgives you. Man you want to. You want to. Honor that. Right. Honor it. Alright. Let's move on. What about any commands. Or examples. Anything that we should. Seek to. Uh, emulate. Verses, look at verses 27. Through verse tw- uh, 28. What do you think we should get out of that to do? What should we do? Command to obey, example to follow. Yeah. Be justified by grace through faith in Jesus apart from works of the law. Don't be legalistic. Don't try to come to God in your own abilities. Rest in Jesus. What about verse 31? Anything to do out of that? Obey. 
uphold the law, right? It says uphold the law, but by faith. Uphold the law by faith. Here's how I like, I, I, love, I love this. I don't know where this came from, but I love it. Not for righteousness, but from righteousness. Obey the law, not for righteousness, but from righteousness. Megan's dad used to tell her when she was in school, you start out the school year with a 100. Keep it. Think about it. <laughs> all right. Now let's look at chapter 4. I'm just kidding. Uh, so based on all of this we just looked at, what would, what would you say is the main point of this passage? Amen. Saved by grace through faith. This is what I wrote. You can, you can say it however you want. We can only be justified by faith in God, not by works. Does that sound fair? Okay. There was only two spots, and I didn't have time to edit the document, so I only did two subpoints. <laughs> so you got to narrow down your subpoints. This is how you keep a Baptist preacher short-winded. I put under under the the subpoint under that Jesus is our propitiation, who makes atonement for our sin. Jesus is our propitiation, the one who paid our sin debt and canceled it out and atoned, took away our sin. Guys, that would make me just want to do a backflip. Jesus has taken away our sin. We couldn't do that in a million years. If we quit sinning today and never sinned again, man, we got a whole truck bed full of sin in our past that needs to be paid for. Can't pay for it. The only way to pay for it is by death. Jesus paid for our sin. Next sub point. We have no reason to boast before God because we're saved by His grace. No boasting. Only celebration. Saved by grace. Now, based on all that, what do we need to do? How do we apply what we've studied to our hearts, to our lives, to our our? Our actions. You see the little stick figure? He's in, he's in, mo he's in motion. Motion. He's, he's doing. How do we do it? What do we do? Well, the first thing I put, and you can put your own applications on here. This is where, this is, this is how, hey, this, is the, this is one of the most wonderful things that I know of about the Word of God. It's going to say, it's going to mean the same thing. But we can apply it in a lot of different ways. Does that make sense? We're going to rightly divide the word and it's going to have, the writer had one intended purpose, one intended message. The, the same message today is the same that was to the original audience, but it's going to apply in our hearts in different ways. And God's Holy Spirit is going to apply his word into every one of our hearts in a unique way for our good and his glory to change us, to conform us into the image of Christ. So I put on here, trust in Jesus' payment. For our sin debt alone for salvation. And for sanctification, if you will. Trust in Jesus' payment for our sin debt alone. Now, if I'm talking to somebody that hasn't trusted in Jesus, I'm like, well, here's something you can do. Get saved! Right? Put your faith in Jesus. He's good. He proved it. He died for you. Lay it down. 
But even for me now, don't trust in my own righteousness. Trust in him right now. You know, salvation is a process. I heard Adrian Rogers say it like this. When you trust Christ, you're justified. You're saved from the penalty of sin. As you walk with him and he changes you, you're sanctified. And one of these days, if he comes back or we go to heaven, we're glorified. Now, all that's part of salvation. Justified, sanctified, and glorified. Y'all, don't be scared to die. Now, I'm going to preach just for a second. You know what? This, this, you're going to get the virus or you're not. You're going to live or you're going to die. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, I say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Don't be scared to die. Don't be scared to die. Paul said, I'd rather be dead, but I'll stick around for y'all's sake. It's kind of how I feel. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather go to heaven and be with Jesus because it'd be a lot better. But I'm going to stick around if he'll let me. And I hope, I hope if I die, I glorify him. And if I live, I glorify him. Don't be scared to die. That's not one of the points. You just never know what's going to come out, do you? I put on here, do not try to earn favor from God. Rest in His grace. Obedience is so much better when it's out of gratitude and love instead of drudgery and, and, and have to. Reading your Bible is not fun when you're doing it out of religiosity. But man, when you're sitting down at the feet of Jesus saying, pour your word into me and show me who you are. Man, ain't nothing better. Don't try to earn favor. Sharing the gospel can be empty religion. And God will even use it. He's good enough to use our, our, our pridefulness. But man, when you can't get over what Jesus has done in your heart and it's just bubbling out and you see somebody repent and get saved, whew, ain't nothing better. But it's all about overflow, not overworking. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. Next thing I put was serve the Lord by faith. Serve God from righteousness, not for righteousness. I think this passage, that's what it did in my heart. That's the main thing I took away in my daily quiet time with this passage. Man, I need to make sure that I am overflowing, not overworking. Serving God out of the righteousness that He has already freely given me. Not trying to earn His favor. Our relationship with God is not based on our performance. It's based on His goodness. It's so good, y'all. And then the last thing. We need to make plans to tell somebody about this good God. Who do you know that's far from God that needs to know how much He loves them and how much He has done to accomplish their salvation? Man. Somebody. We all know somebody. I guarantee you this. If you pray for an opportunity, God will give it to you. He'll give it to you. You might even get a flat tire on the, home, on the way home just so somebody will stop and help you and get saved. <laughs> and what if we thought, what if we walked through life like that, God? How are you using every moment in my day to give me opportunities to share the gospel with somebody? Man, 
We need to go tell somebody about that good God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very, very much. For your word and for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for illuminating your word and and showing us what it says and how to live it out. Pray for everyone in this room. And in all the ways, the, the specific ways that you have and will continue to apply this passage to our hearts. Help us to obey you by grace through faith. And would you use our obedience for your glory, not ours. And would you help us to love people with your love and to forgive others with your forgiveness. Would you use us to expand your kingdom across the street and around the world. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our Savior. For paying the penalty for our sin with your precious, holy, eternal, righteous blood. And given us your perfection. Would you help us to live in it? In Jesus' name.